Hi, thank you for tuning into the Short Stacks. I'm Lisa Quintero, Young Adult Librarian. And I am Nick Barron, patron and sometimes volunteer. This is a show where we talk to you about what we've been reading, listening to, or watching. And this week we're actually going to be talking about things that remind us of the season of autumn. Yes. But first... Library news. So um, things are going to be a little bit different this fall. As most of you know, every fall we have a Halloween happening. And unfortunately, because of COVID, we won't be able to do that this year. But we are doing some different things to celebrate Halloween with you. So starting October 26th, there will be an I Spy October scavenger hunt for children. Uh, So you can stop by the library and pick it up. And if you turn it in before Halloween or by Halloween and give us the passphrase, you can get a bag of treats. Uh, that you can either turn it in via curbside or you can turn it in in person. We also will be having a virtual costume parade so that you get to see your friends and neighbors in their costumes. So send us your pictures, either post them on Facebook or email them to us at shorewood at mcfls.org and we will post them on our social media channels and we will also have a slideshow going here at the library so everybody can see their neighbors in costumes since we can't do it in person this year. Um, we also just started a New display in the Youth Services Department called 100 Plus Pictures, Picture Books Every Child Should Know. And so there's a list and a display if you're interested. Uh, and it's got all sorts of different classics and then also some newer stuff on there. So if, especially if you're working towards your 1,000 books before kindergarten, you should check that out. And then in terms of events, we've got Family Fun Night coming up on October 13th, which is next Tuesday. And you can just pick up a kit to do the activities at home. We also still have Art Cart Online happening where you pick up the kit here at the library. And that's going to be happening next Wednesday, October 14th. Our stories on the lawn are continuing on October 15th. And it sounds like Miss Heidi might be continuing them depending on the weather. But if it gets too chilly, she might stop them the 15th. So keep an eye on the calendar for that if you've been coming to story time. And make sure to register since we're trying to encourage social distancing. And she actually, because it's been so popular, has created two sessions. So there's a 9.30 a.m. session now and a 10.30 a.m. session. And then finally, there will be a, or actually not finally, two more things. Uh, there's going to be a teen take and make also on October 15th, which will be a fall-themed craft for all you teens. And then finally, on October 24th, we will have a virtual program called Talking About Race, Understanding Racial Identity Development, uh, which will be a online program hosted by the library and the school district, and it's actually going to be on Zoom. You can find the information on how to access it at shorewoodlibrary.org. It's going to be a professor from UWM, Dr. Erin Winkler. She is an associate professor of African and African Diaspora Studies at the University of Wisconsin, and she'll be talking about how adults can help children and youth understand and navigate their racial identity development processes. Um, So if you're interested in that, check it out. All right, so let's go uh, on. I, was, I had a question. Oh, go ahead. Okay, go ahead. Uh, so what are some of the family fun night activities? Do you know? I don't know what this week's are. They change every time. Um, I think the last time Miss Heidi had like some sort of boat that you built at home. Um, and the, the art car kits have been really cool lately. So Miss Susan this week had, she had people make a giant spider. T- uh, so there was like a, a hanger so you could hang it from your door and mm-hmm. she had a piece of paper that you would cut out that was a giant spider and then there was like a paper bag that you attached it to and so it's like a Halloween decoration that you could color and and um, hang on your door or in your house or wherever you wanted to hang it. So yeah, it's uh, there have been a lot of really cool, cool things happening in the kits so make sure you check them out. Um, I know things have slowed down a little bit since the summer and I'm sure, you know, everybody's busy with school but I know as 
it gets colder out here um, and gets rainy and gloomy in the fall. It's nice to have some stuff to work on at home sometimes. Yeah, I, I'm a fan of activities. That's why I asked. <laughs> All right. Well, thank you for asking. Uh, so, yeah. From the stacks? From, from the stacks. All right. <laughs> from the stacks. Um, so, yeah, like I said, this week we're going to be talking about things that remind us of fall or autumn. Um, so we've got some some things to watch, some things to listen to, and some things to potentially read. Um, so Nick, what what do you think of in terms of let's start with with books. In terms okay. of books, what do you think of when you think autumn? So the first the first book that came to mind was immediately The Rules of Attraction by uh Brady Stinellis. Mm-hmm. Um and it's because it starts uh, like a lot of uh, a lot of books relating to uh, people in school. In this case, uh, in college, and it's uh, you know it starts with the the beginning of the the fall semester, mm-hmm. and so it's and it's got that very like uh, New England in fall type of vibe. Um, even though I don't even know if it takes place in <laughs> England, but it's, it's just got that vibe. Okay. Um, and uh, um, yeah, it's, for me, it's one of those, like it's, it's, it's a miserable, miserable book. Um, <laughs> I mean, I, which and, and a, Easton Ellis book isn't a miserable. Exactly. But uh, <laughs> at a, at a, at a point in, in my life, I absolutely loved that sort of thing. And so, uh-huh. so that was like immediately the, the, the first thing that came to mind because like I think of autumn and falling leaves and, and uh, people going to their, their first college parties and all of that sort of thing, because that's mm-hmm. what it documents. <laughs> yeah. Um, so yeah, I, I do. Uh, I do think it, I, when I first read the book um, in my twenties, I absolutely loved it. Mm-hmm. Um, but, uh, but yeah, it's, it's definitely for people that don't mind a little bit of darkness and misery. So yeah. yeah, for sure. But uh, but yeah, uh, you give me a book. All right, I'll actually give you an author. Okay. Um, so when I think of autumn, I also think you know about leaves falling, and and I think about a lot of gothic literature because it's like you know they're always like it's always stuff happening on the moors, and there's you know rain, and it's dark, and it gets dark early, and just kind of you know cold and and. Mm. Autumn evokes, you know, evokes that sort of imagery in my mind. And it also evokes the whole like back to school imagery. So, um, but the books that I've, I tend to think of are tend to be like gothic. So the first author that I uh, automatically associate with Autumn is Edgar Allan Poe. Mm-hmm. And I was really into Edgar Allan Poe when I was a kid, like when I was in high school. And I think one of my favorite stories is The Cask of Amontillado. And I also really enjoyed his poetry, um, like the poem Alone. Um, and they just kind of have this very creepy, Halloween-y, it's October, everything's miserable kind of <laughs> feel to them. <laughs> Not that everything's miserable in October, yeah. you know, I enjoy fall now. But like, you know, I don't know, 16-year-old Lisa was like, this, this is great. Life is miserable. This embodies life. <laughs> so yeah, if you're looking for dark and gloomy and gothic, check out some Edgar Allan Poe. I know he has some collections of his stories here, and a lot of his stuff has been adapted to you know different mediums. I know that there's like audiobooks of his stuff. There's some 
film versions of his stuff, um, like The Pit and the Pendulum and things like that. So, um, yeah. I guess another author, too, that evokes that same kind of feeling for me is Agatha Christie. So if you're into mysteries, because Edgar Allan Poe tends to be more like creepy stuff than than mystery. But if you're into mysteries, Agatha Christie uh, really captures, I think, too, also that that fall gothic we're in England kind of element. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so, so relating to when you, when you mentioned Poe and, 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 uh, and old timey authors. Um, so uh, you remember this, this experience a, a few uh, autumns ago, um, I decided, I was like, you know, I really want to read the legend of sleepy hollow by, by Washington Irving. Oh yes. And I was, you know, the, the book is in the children's, children's department. Uh-huh. And I was astounded at how difficult the, the language was. Uh-huh. What I mean difficult, it just like, like they wrote in such a, such a different way. Yeah. Um, it, it was written in what, the 1800s? Yeah, something um, like that, yeah. Yeah, and it, it was writ- it's written in such a, such a more convoluted style uh-huh. that I remember I, I only got like like 15 pages into it. I'm like, I'm done. <laughs> <laughs> and I was like, I was like, this story is is so ultimately like like of the season. Yeah. Um and uh and here I was reading this children's book and I was like, man, I I don't know that I have got the persistence to push through this. Yeah, it was written in 1820. Um I don't know that I've ever read it. I know that I know the story just because of watching, you know, the the Disney Ichabod Crane yep. um, headless horseman cartoon. But uh, <laughs> but beyond that, like, yeah, I'll have to check it out sometime and see see what I think about it. But yeah, it was it was it was eye opening and a slog at the same time. It's also interesting because like those books weren't written necessarily for children. It's just interesting that, you know, it's in the children's department. Um, yeah. I know like certain books end up in the children's department. They weren't necessarily written before children because it was like before children's literature was really a thing. Yeah. Um, but it, yeah. It's, it's, it's like putting the Canterbury tales in the, in <laughs> in the, the children's, children's department. Which in, I'm in, sure in. we probably have like some children's <laughs> version of that or a library has a children's <laughs> version of that somewhere because it's a classic, you know? And so a lot yeah. of times classics are changed over into, into children's books, which isn't, you know, it's not bad or anything. It's just, yeah. it's just interesting. Um, especially cause you know, if you're struggling as an adult, like, um, you know, would a kid find interest in it? Um, they might, I mean, I'm sure there probably are kids. I know I read some stuff like I, you know, when I was younger, but I know a lot of it went way over my head. I remember reading Dante's Inferno when I was in high school and that went like way over my head. Yeah. But, um, but yeah, a children's book that, that um, is a more modern book that makes me think of fall is The Mysterious Howling. And it's part of the, um, I think the series is called like The Incorrigible Children of Ashton Place. And the book is mm. by Mary Rose Wood. And it's a book for like middle graders. Um, and it is the story of a nanny in England who gets hired by a family to civilize these three children who have been raised by wolves. Um, <laughs> and so they all like howl and like scratch at the furniture and all these things. And, you know, it's 1800s England. And so she has to teach them how to be like, you know, gentlemen and ladies. And, and um, they just want to run around and act like, act like puppy dogs basically. Yeah. <laughs> um, and it's, it's pretty cute. Um, and it's, like I said, it's a series that we have here. So you should, if you're looking for something fun and cute that is, you know, a little gothic, but not super dark. Um, 
that one's a good one. Um, so yeah, so another one that reminds me of fall is Paper Girls, uh, which is a graphic novel collection by Brian K. Vaughn mm-hmm. and Chris, uh, is it Chris Ching? No, Cliff Ching. Uh, he's the artist. And so Brian K. Vaughn, um, some people may know because he did Saga and he did Why the Last Man Standing. And, um, and Paper Girls is a, is a story about a bunch of girls in the 80s. And it is reminiscent of fall because like I said, you know, fall makes me think of back to school. And, and so it all starts out on Halloween in like 1988, I think. And it's basically about these girls who are a bunch of paper girls and they um, witness this strange thing happen. And it's basically a time traveler from the future has come to 1988 to try to stop something from happening in the future. And they get sucked into this whole like time traveling um, story where they end up like traveling to the future and to the past and and back to like 1980 something, you know, and, and they like meet themselves at different points along their lives. And uh, it's very, it's very cool. Um, it, you know, it, it really has that fall feel because they're like, and, and that like retro feel because they're all on their bikes and they're all wearing like, you know, Letterman jackets or, mm. or you know, jean jackets because it's fall and, and the clothing and the art and the the ambiance in the graphic novel um, really conveys that sort of feeling. And then the last book that I had on my list, or actually as an author, um, was Gail Carriger. And Gail Carriger's written two different series. She's written a series for young adults, and she's written a series for adults. And the series for adults is called The Parasol Protectorate, and the series for young adults is called The Finishing School Series. And both of them are like these steampunk series that also incorporate werewolves and vampires, and they're very fun um, adventures that uh are pretty funny and like they they have really strong female characters uh and they are these young ladies in like 18 you know victorian Mm. england and they have to fight off like vampires and werewolves but they have to do it by well while still being you know ladies and maintaining their composure and so there's like it's it's funny because it incorporates a lot of the like culture and high society things of, of england of the time along with like you know your parasol being a a sword and having like a gun in it that shoots like silver bullets and things like that. And, and, you know, finding ways to hide weapons in like your corset and things like that. Um, And uh, the adult one has like a little bit more of a romance element to it too, if you're into that. And the the young adult one has a little bit of that, but not as much. Um, The young adult one's more about like a girl just coming into her own um, by going to finishing Mm -hmm. school and, um, and her parents not really knowing what kind of finishing school she's going to. Like they sent her to finishing school because, you know, she's like this like brash young girl and they, they need to make her into a proper lady and they end up sending her to finishing school, but they don't realize that the finishing school that has come to recruit her is actually like training her to be a spy. <laughs> and um, So yeah, they're, they're pretty fun if you're looking for something fun. And like I said, that's a uh, Gail Carriger, the parasol protectorate and uh, the finishing schools. I, I did have one one last one to add, and this 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 one is going to be different than all of the others because of the fact that it is a piece of nonfiction. Mm-hmm. Um, so uh, there was a, uh, a biography that came out a few years ago called Empire of Imagination uh, that is about uh, Gary Gygax, the man who co-created Dungeons and Dragons, and uh, the book. Um, there's there's two reasons why I feel like it it gives me like this feeling of fall. Um, one is the fact that I spent, I guess, endless hours in my youth uh, 
poring over D and D books, D and D manuals as a uh, as a young lad, um, and um, also the fact that the book opens up with a very lengthy, like walk through the day that Gary Gygax got ousted from his company TSR, um, which was based out of Lake Geneva, Wisconsin. Um, and so, uh, um, it goes through him walking through his, his, um, walking through Lake Geneva during that October day when he was ousted from, uh, from TSR. And so, uh, I, even though it's, it's not like a, uh, not like a lighthearted Rob, um, though it's it's a fascinating book. If you have any interest at all in Dungeons and Dragons and the history of Dungeons and Dragons, it, it's well worth a read. Even though it is definitely one sided because there was a, a a co creator Dave Arneson who doesn't get the same the same uh, credit as Gary Gygax does. Um, but at the at the same time, it is at least for somebody who's like me who's loved Dungeons and Dragons for you know most of his life. Uh, uh, it was a, a fascinating, fascinating read, and it does uh, make me think of October. And uh, it uh, it's a it's a good good season to read that book. Highly recommend it. All right, so let's move on to uh, TV or movies. So one thing that I like to note before we go on is that um, we both love horror movies, and mm-hmm. every October we watch a bunch of horror movies. Um, and so on this episode. I'm not going to talk about horror movies because we're <laughs> going to save those for our next episode. So all yeah. the TV shows that I'm talking about are not horror this time. But if you like horror, tune into the next episode and we will be talking about horror movies. Um, so yeah, um, what are some TV shows or movies that make you think of Fall, Nick? So the, the first one that had come to my mind when I was making my list is actually uh, kind of an obscure one. Uh, so the X-Files creator, Chris Carter, uh, in the height of his, his popularity, uh, he pitched a, another show called Millennium. About, mm-hmm, I remember. About the Millennium Group. And I don't know if it's just because of like the, the you know, sort of noirish conspiracy vibe that uh-huh. runs through the show or if it's just because I vividly remember an episode that takes place on Halloween and the main character carving a pumpkin. But uh-huh. that was the first one that came to mind. Okay. Um, what, what was uh, your first one? I think the first one that came to mind for me was actually the X-Files that you mentioned. You know, it's like that was something I started watching when it first came out. I think I was 11 and I remember, you know, it starting in the fall and I remember watching it every Friday night and, you know, it just had that, that creepy Halloween-y kind of feel to it because it's all stories of paranormal activity and things like that. And um, because it started in the fall and because it's something that I associate with, you know, an activity that I did in the fall as a child, like, mm-hmm. I all, like even though it was on year, year round, you know, I, I'm, you know, the TV shows go off for the summer, they end the season, you know, usually around like May or something like that. And then they're they're on hiatus for the summer while they're making the new season. And so every fall I would look forward to the new season of the X-Files. And I just really enjoyed, you know, the, the atmosphere. And, and because it takes place in the Pacific Northwest, you know, and there's so many trees and there's so many, um, I mean, it takes place all over the place, but yeah. you know, that was filmed in the Pacific Northwest for the first few seasons. And because of that, it just has this very, you know, 
autumnal vibe to me. Um, mm. I think, you know, yeah, all the trees, all the, the, the forests, and for some reason forests evoke an imagery of, of autumn and fall for me. Um, and then another one that's in a similar vein that also is one that's supposed to take place in the Pacific Northwest is Twin Peaks. Um, yeah. And that, you know, has the whole like noir vibe to it. And then also like this like small town in the woods. Um, and I remember, you know, it, it follows the story of a girl who like gets killed and, and her friends at school and, um, and kind of what's going on in the town. And so that one also kind of has a, a autumn vibe for me. Yeah. It's, it's funny. Cause we're, we're like a one trick pony because the other, <laughs> the, the other thing that I had on my list also has a noirish vibe and it's the more recent show Riverdale. Okay. Um, and you know, it's got that, that back to school type, uh, um, feel to it at, at the same time. Uh, um, the, uh, the stories and, and plot lines are all very kind of noirish. There's always a mystery to be solved. And, yeah. um, so yeah. Femme Patals. <laughs> yeah. Yes. Um, but I'm going to, Veronica. Yes. Yes. Uh, uh, Jughead's my favorite. Yeah. Jughead's Any, great. Um, I, I'm, I was telling that to the, to the audience, not to you. you know <laughs> okay, <me>. fine. <laughs> <laughs> um, but, uh, I haven't kept up on we haven't kept up on the recent seasons, but the the I remember the first season being really uh, really into it. Yeah, um, yeah, and another um, another one that I can think of that kind of has more of the high school vibe for me that I really enjoy is Stranger Things. Yes, um, and that one we haven't watched the third season yet, but we we watched the first two seasons, and that one also evokes those feelings of back to school, and and you know it's dark, but not not so much noir. It's more you know, if you're if you're into D and D or, or role playing games and things like that, it covers a lot of that kind of stuff. And then, you know, there's a whole storyline involving the younger kids who are in what is it, like seventh grade. And then there's a storyline involving the one kid's older sister, and she's in high school. And again, you know, the the clothing and everything, you know, the the wearing of long sleeve shirts and sweaters and and things like that makes me think of of autumn. And I'm I'm gonna share two quick two quick stories about. The X Files, okay. Um, relating to because X Files is on my list, so I'm gonna I'm gonna take a little X Files time. All uh, right. When you were mentioning, uh, you know, where it was filmed, one of my favorite things, and I I remember telling you this story before, is that there's an episode that where they uh, are pursuing something in Buffalo, New York, which is where I am from, uh-huh. and uh, they go to the Chinatown in Buffalo, New York, and there is no Chinatown in <laughs> Buffalo, New York. Um, and you were like, um, excuse me, guys, do your research better. <laughs> exactly. They uh, they also like go and visit somebody in the uh, in the village of Kenmore, and like the shot, you're just like, this doesn't look like Kenmore at all. <laughs> but, but anyways, um, the other relating to that sense of of you know warmth and coziness and and that that you know huddling uh, in front of the TV that that kind of happens uh, starting in the fall. Um, one of my favorite stories about watching the X-Files is I was an avid X-Files fan for years. Mm. And um, when it moved from Fridays to Sundays, I think it was, my parents, you know, I, you know, here I'm the, you know, teenager, surly teenager. And uh, 
um, with my with my thrash mullet and my uh, corrosion of conformity T-shirt, and I'm, <laughs> I'm you know sitting on the couch watching the X Files, and you know my my dad um, would walk over, and he never likes anything like sci-fi or 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 you know in, in that vein. Yeah. Um, and he would come over, and he would he would you know watch from the the um, first from the kitchen. Then he'd, you know, work his way into the living room. And then before you know it, you know, like, you know, after like three episodes of, of him doing this over the course of weeks, you know, he makes that migration. And then before you know it, he's on the floor, on the carpet, blanket over him and, and watching. And then my mom followed suit and it became this family activity, all of us watching the X-Files. And I think it was because of the Mulder and Scully dynamic, but, you know, I don't know. Uh, but it was it was very enter like like when I think of the X Files I think of that like cozy warm family time family yeah. time yeah but uh, yeah it's funny because that was one of the few shows that like my dad would watch with us if he was home yeah um, and yeah it was it was something that I started watching by myself and then pretty soon yeah the whole family was watching too because they were just like what is this show what is happening yeah. aliens <laughs> <laughs> exactly you know because we all just want to believe. <laughs> um Um, and then the last one that i have on my list is actually called the fall and i don't remember if we've talked about it before on this show or not but um it is a is that the jillian anderson yes the jillian anderson show and it's it's um it's a more recent show it's only about three seasons long and i started watching it um last year the year before during the fall Mm -hmm. and um it has it takes place in England and it's the story of a detective who's played by Jillian Anderson and a serial killer played by Jamie Dornan. And she is trying to, you know, solve these these murders. Um and Jamie Dornan's character is very interesting because he is a psychiatrist, a grief counselor, um, who, you know, is also a serial killer. Um and he's married and he has kids, and it's weird because like I've never seen that portrayal of a serial killer before you know you usually see like dexter or like Mm -hmm. you know these shows where they're like antisocial and and don't have you know friends or loved ones (laughs) dexter had very dynamic relationships yeah dexter did have dynamic relationships (laughs) but dexter dexter also like Dexter was different than this show. This yeah, show is like darker. <laughs> like this show's darker. This show also it's interesting because it kind of puts some of the the tropes about like women um, you know, on their head. And and Jillian Anderson's character is really interesting too, uh, in the way that she plays her. Um, she's a very strong, strong person and and yeah, I'd, I highly recommend it if you like mysteries. Um it's it's a good show. Yeah. And it's, it's only three seasons, so you don't have to, like, commit a lot of time to it. Yeah. So, so music. Yeah, so music. So I, I have a, a bunch on my list. Um, you want to start? Um, so there's two CDs that I have that I own that the library also happens to own that I always play in the fall in my car. Um, and one of them is Dillinger 4's Civil War, and it has this song Gainesville on it. And um, I absolutely love that song. Uh, the chorus of that song is it feels like summer in October. And I yep. love it when it feels like summer in October because, you know, there's always those days in the Midwest, at least. And, and Dillinger 4 is a band from Minneapolis. So, you know, they, they understand Midwestern weather. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. And so 
it's it's you know there's always those days in October where you know it's been like 60 degrees for a while and then all of a sudden it's like 80 degrees like today actually today is a day like that where it's like supposed to be sunny out it's gonna hit 80 you know but this week's been real chilly and, and it's you know we, we finally turned our heat on this week because it was so cold um but you know we we have those those rare days and it's I love those days when it's warm outside, but the, the leaves are all colorful and you can like just go out and enjoy and wander around and like ride your bike or do things and um, and just kind of remind yourself of, you know, winter's coming. So you got to enjoy, enjoy the outdoors while you still can, because mm-hmm. once winter hits, you know, most of us kind of cocoon up in our homes and, and don't do much outside. Um, and so it just... That song just is like screams fall to me. Um, and the rest of the album is really good too. Mm-hmm. Um, so if you are into pop punk, punk rock, uh, check out Dillinger for Civil War. Um, and on my, and on the other, I oh, was just going to say, on, on my original version of the of, of my list, I've expanded my list since then. But uh, Dillinger 4 also has a fantastic record called Midwestern Songs of the Americas. And it is, yeah, it also <laughs> has, has that feel and it is fantastic. Track it down yeah. somewhere. All right. <laughs> and then the other one that I had on my list was the Get Up Kids on a Wire. And they're another um, like indie rock pop punk band. Um, and that one, for some reason, the song Campfire Kansas on that album always makes me think of fall because like the imagery evoked um, is a bunch of friends camping, but it's like the the water's cold and like, you know, it's um, it could it could be a song that takes place in spring. But for some reason, I've always listened to that album because of some of the other songs on it that kind of feel fallish to me. Mm. I've always listened to the album in the fall and I don't remember if it came out in the fall or what, but like, um, yeah, it's got a, a song called overdue on it. That's really good. That also kind of reminds me of fall. Um, and so the, the, also the melodies are, are a little bit like, cause like I feel when I think of like spring melodies, I think of like more upbeat stuff. Whereas mm. the, the melody for campfire Kansas is a little bit like, sadder i guess you yeah. know it's a little bit more like nostalgic and like you know them kind of missing missing certain things and and um it's kind of sung in past tense um and so i uh that's one that i always listen to in the fall very good. all right how about you <clears throat> i got a list you got a list <laughs> um, i was just looking in county cat and the first when I was making my list originally, the, the first record that came to mind was uh, the record Star by the band Belly. Um, okay. Tanya Donnelly has a very ethereal voice and mm-hmm. um, just the, the nature of there's like this like kind of like darkly whimsical element to their, their sound. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, that, that record, like I immediately, part of it, I, I got it for my, birthday the year that it came out but uh it, it and your was, birthday's in october for those people who yeah, don't know yeah there you go and uh so um so yeah so i uh i have really strong associations with with that record and uh and the fall um beastie boys check your head uh that record it's got a very uh I, i'm pretty sure it came it came out the end of, end of summer that year i remember seeing uh seeing the video for uh was it past the mic? I think it was past the mic. And it came, it, it like the, the day, the video debuted, I think right around the same time that like Nirvana smells like teen spirit did. And so okay. like, uh, you know, it was one of those, Hey, we're all going, going, starting the next uh, year of school. We're at our friend's house. We just had band practice. 
TVs on and you know this this video from Check Your Head is is playing. But the the record itself, it's got this like this arc to the flow. Um, and it starts off, it's got a very like kind of it's got like kind of like darker but warm tones. And by the end of the record, um, it goes into this like like full on kind of like introspective. Um, and I when I think of fall, I, I have a strong leanings towards like introspection. Um, uh, yeah, I do too. Um, I, I think of nostalgia and introspection and, and just kind of, like I said, you know, um, reminding yourself of, it's like, a, it's like a time of, of, um, kind of taking stock of, of what you've done for the year and, and what you plan on accomplishing for the rest of the year and what you plan on accomplishing the next year that you didn't get accomplished in the current year. Yep. Uh, so also, uh, Tying into into noir uh, that we were talking about earlier, along with uh, along with um, autumnal feels. Uh, right now, I am on a huge trip hop kick, and so I've been listening to a lot of tricky, massive attack, and Portishead, and Portishead particularly. Uh, another woman with a very kind of, it's got a very ethereal and smoke smoky quality, um, and uh, yeah, it's just. You know, it's like the the soundtrack to a modern noir film. It's fantastic. Um, but now I'm going to go into a, a, a little bit of uh, punk and metal. Uh, the record that I listen to every single year in October is Merciful Fate, Don't Break the Oath. It is got your full on, like, you know, uh, people in forests doing bad things. <laughs> it's... Uh, it is, Are they wearing makeup? Do they have knives? Uh, no. no <laughs> they, well, so so uh, King. Or is God, that just black metal? <laughs> that's that's well. This is pre-black metal. So black metal, like you know, kind of like took roots from things like Kiss and Merciful Fate. Merciful Fate. King Diamond was like one of the first people to wear corpse paint, and he was basically kind of mm-hmm. ta- taking the styles from from Kiss. Kiss. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so he wore his 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 uh, white and black makeup in in a kiss type style, but of course with you know upside down cross and you know black metal yeah, yeah. type stuff. Yeah. Um, but he also sang into a microphone uh, stand that was made of human bones. Um, <laughs> and so, so yeah, as, as young <laughs> young Nick Barron who discovered Merciful Fate in uh, seventh grade. And mm-hmm. bought bought this record like it was just like oh my my head's exploding this is so dark and fantastic and you know here it is you know that was what twenty five years ago thirty years mm-hmm. how old am I thirty years ago <laughs> um, uh, so but it's still a record that like I think of immediately when I think of hollow Halloween and October and uh-huh. the changing of the seasons and that gets listened to every single October. Mm-hmm. Um, in that vein, the one that people expect from an, uh, an older punk rock fellow um, is uh, to listen to misfits uh, mm-hmm. legacy of brutality is available through County cat um, along with merciful fate. Don't break the oath. Um, but misfits, I mean, Legacy of Brutality. It's got the song Halloween on it. Um, you can't go, mm-hmm. you can't go wrong. Um, yeah, it's funny because I remember when you and I first started dating, like you putting that record on a lot, and I had never really listened to the Misfits all that much. And mm-hmm. um, yeah, that that record makes me think of Fall as well. Yeah, yeah. 
I listened to that because you can't stand King Diamond's voice. But, <laughs> um, so I, 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 had, I had to listen to Merciful Fate in Solitude. Um, but yeah, and if you know, if if you don't don't like the uh, the gritty, grainy recordings of the Misfits, you can always put on uh, the first two Danzig records, which are also available through County Cat. But eh, you know, everything everything Glenn Danzig related is going to have that autumnal type feel. Um, mm-hmm. But uh, uh, Misfits, I go with the, the the classic Misfits. All right, and uh, yeah, I think. That covers everything on my list and one thing that was not on my list. And there was one that I was going to add, but I've talked too much. I love All music. Right. I just thought of one more. Okay. And I'm just going to go with it and then we can wrap up. Um, the other one that makes me think of Fall a lot, and I don't know why I listen to this in Fall again, um, is Commons B. Um, and so I remember, you know, as soon as September hit, I pulled that album out and put it in my car and started listening to it on repeat over and over again because I just uh it's kind of like a hopeful but also like some of the songs you know um also evoke some of that 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 introspective Mm -hmm. um kind of feel and um kind of thinking about you know where we are versus where we want to be um so yeah very good all right. So um, last week we ta- or la- two weeks ago we talked about running, and we asked our listeners if there were any songs that they knew of that were about running that were not about love, but were actually just about running or runners. And uh, we actually received some responses. So Nick's going to share what those were with you. Okay. So uh, the first one that uh, I've got is uh, "Long Distance Runner." Not surprising. Okay. Um, by uh, a uh, hip hop artist. Uh, who goes by promo uh, P R O M O E. Um, don't know if that's available through County cat. I didn't look. It's, def- it's definitely a, probably find it on YouTube or something. Yeah, it's, de- it's definitely a, a metaphorical um, take on running. Um, he's, he's talking about, you know, like, you know, conquering, conquering drugs and getting fit and, and what have you. And, okay. you know, definitely like with, with hip hip hop, you've got a lot of lyrics. So I, couldn't imagine you writing a song about running without getting metaphorical. Um, And uh, uh, the other one that uh, uh, people uh, threw out there was Sonata Artica. That's the name of the artist or the band Sonata Artica, uh, half a marathon man. I didn't listen to the lyrics. Um, I got bombarded with like power metal in the uh, faith warning, (laughs) Halloween, Halloween. Uh, with an e, uh, type vibe, <laughs> and I was like, "I'm not ready for this right now." Um, and young, sixteen-year-old me would have been like, "Yeah, this <laughs> Sonata Artica is great," um, but it was a little much for me at this exact moment. <laughs> um, but uh, I appreciate uh, Bobby and Kurt, uh, the two people that uh, responded uh, for their uh, their engagement. Thank you. Yeah. And uh, if you have any TV shows, music, movies, books, authors that remind you of autumn or the season or the fall season, you should let us know. You can email us at shorewoodstacks at gmail.com or you can share with us. Uh, we usually post our podcast to the library Facebook, so you can comment on the on the podcast post there if you like. Um, otherwise, you can also find us on Twitter uh, at the Shorewood Library Twitter. So, yeah, um, I think that's pretty much it. 
Do you have anything else you wanted to share? Um, I was, I remembered the name of the the band that I was going to to add, and I was just looking to see if there's any audio CDs. No. Um, <laughs> yeah, I was gonna. Uh, what was the band? I was gonna throw out Murder City Devils. Um, oh yes, Murder City Devils are very very autumnal. There are a few bands that I could think of that are very autumnal that we don't own any of their stuff in County Cat because they're too like obscure, um, in terms of you know. The the they're not part of the the big record industry. They're all on independent labels, yeah. and so you know. So I tried to I tried to find stuff that was stuff that we have here in County Cat. And everything yeah. that I shared is stuff that's available I, on, uh, through the library system. I was absolutely shocked that Merciful Fate Don't Break the Oath uh, was available through County Cat. Thank you, Cudahy Library. You're doing <laughs> something right. Yeah, they also were the ones who had Dillinger for Civil War, and I was like. Again, thank you, Cudahy Library. Yeah. <laughs> Tune in next time to hear about horror movies that we've been watching and some of our favorites as well. We hope you have enjoyed the show. You can find us on Podbean, Spotify, or iTunes. And as always, thank you for listening and be well. Dex is produced by Lisa Quintero and Nick Barron for the Shorewood Public Library. Music for the show was created by Kevin McLeod. The song is titled Ice Flow and can be found at incompetech.com.